You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 2 Kings chapter number 2 and verse number 2. Excuse me, verse number 11. 2 Kings 2 and verse number 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as they still went on and taught, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Let's go to God in prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence once again tonight, we want to thank you for what we have felt in this place. Thank you for the good singing, the spirit-filled singing. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you, Lord, that your name has been exalted here. And I pray, God, that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you, Lord, tonight to give us a touch physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. God, I pray that you'd help us tonight, hide us behind the shadows of the cross. And, Lord, help us not to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. God, I pray that you'd be glorified. I pray your son would be magnified. And may the church be edified tonight. God, most of all, I pray that we'd see no man save Jesus only. We'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number 12 here in just a moment. But notice with me in verse number 11. I like that first phrase that says, and it came to pass. That's a wonderful phrase, isn't it? It's a very common phrase in the Word of God. In fact, it's found 463 times in the Word of God, 398 times in the Old Testament, and 65 times in the New Testament. And I think it's a phrase of assurance, amen, because every time we read that, we're reminded that what God says always has, always will come to pass, amen. We're living in a day of scoffers and mockers and those that do not believe the Bible, but for those that believe the Word of God, we know that we have a steadfast assurance. We have a solid anchor, amen? We have a promise that's beyond this world. And one day, what will be said about the rapture of the church and the saints of God in glory, it will be said, and it came to pass, amen? When we come to this verse of Scripture in verse 11, this little phrase, and it came to pass, has to do with the ministry of Elijah. And when you think about the ministry of Elijah in chapter 2, you know that his ministry is coming to an end. And it's important, I think, in verse number 11 that we think about that Elijah's ministry is coming to an end. He knows that this is the day that the Lord is going to take him home. He knows that his ministry has now reached its final end. 
And I want you to notice in verse number 11, three little things, and then I'll give you the thought that God has laid upon our heart. Concerning Elijah in verse 11, as he knows that this is his last and final day on earth, I want you to see, first of all, that Elijah is trusting, amen? As the Bible says, and it came to pass as they still went on, amen? I mean, here's Elijah. He knows this is his last day on earth. He knows that he's about to be taken up in a whirlwind. Elisha knows it. Even the sons of the prophet knows it. But in spite of what he knows, you know what he's doing? He's still going on. Amen. I'll tell you tonight, we know that you may be here in my age. You may know that your ministry is coming to an end. You may be young and you may know that by this age that we're living in, that this ministry, all of our ministry for time is telling us that we're nearing the end. You say, preacher, what are we going to do with the world turned upside down and all the chaos and all the trouble that we've experienced the last two years? What are we going to do? We're going to do the same thing Elijah did. We're just going to keep going on. Amen. I want to tell you, Elijah is trusting in the final pace of life, in the final stretch of life. Every step that he's taking on this day is a step of faith. He's nearing the shore. He's getting closer to the end, but he's still going on. His faith is not weak, but his faith is strong. I'll say tonight, I believe that he went on in faith, don't you? For faith knows, listen, no retreat. Faith will just keep on keeping on. Faith will rise above the circumstances. Faith will go when the odds are against you. Faith will go when fear seems to overtake you. Faith will just keep on keeping on. You know why? Because the just shall live by faith. You see, the only way for me and you to really live is by faith. Amen. Elijah is trusting. I see that he went on because of faith. I think he went on because of fervency. If you think about the life of Elijah, he didn't know, any, he didn't know anything about just sitting down. He, listen, Elijah was the man on the move. Elijah was the man that had a ministry. And if you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to have some fervency. Amen? You're going to have to have some fortitude. You're going to have to have a desire to work and to serve. You can't be lazy. Can I get a witness right there. Faith is always doing something. Faith is always going somewhere. And Elijah, even though he's in the final stretch, you know what? He's still working. He's still serving. He's still going on. That fervency is just as real in the final steps as it was in the first steps. Amen. He's trusting. And I think he went on not only because of faith and fervency, but I believe Elijah's trusting because of his follower, amen? For the Bible says here, as they still went on. Elijah's not by himself. He's got somebody going with him. There's somebody following him. And I want to tell you tonight, servant of God, there's somebody following me and there's somebody following you. You can't quit in the final pace of life. You can't give up in the heat of the battle. You can't throw in the towel for discouragement. You can't roll over because of the economy. You can't give in to the mandates. You can't give in to what this society is saying. You say, what are we going to do? You just got to still go on. You got to keep on preaching. 
You got to keep on praying. You got to keep on testifying. You got to keep on singing. You got to keep on going to church. You got to keep on paying tithes. You got to keep on knocking on doors. You got to keep on running buses. We just got to steal. Go on. How are we going to do it? It's the same way Elijah did. We're going to trust God. Hallelujah. Elijah is trusting. And then I want you to notice in verse 11, Elijah is talking. Amen. The Bible says here, and they went on and they talked. (laughs) Elijah still has something that he wants to say. You know, faith always says something, doesn't it? And Elijah has something he wants to say. I don't know what this conversation consisted of, but I think it would be safe for me to say tonight that uh, this conversation was a very private conversation. It was between him and Elisha. The sons of the prophet were viewing from afar off. They were too far away to hear what was being said. It was a personal conversation. No doubt it was a precious conversation, amen. I think every word that Elijah tells Elisha has to be a very important word for there's no time to waste his words now he must make every word count as he is talking to him it was no doubt a practical conversation he was probably giving him some final instructions for life and for the ministry and for serving God and then I would say it was a powerful conversation and the reason is because of this I don't know that Elisha would have remembered every conversation that he had with Elijah but I'm pretty certain he remembers the last conversation that he had with Elijah. I'm pretty certain tonight that whatever Elijah told Elisha, it was something that he could draw from the rest of his days and the rest of his ministry. Elijah's talking. Elijah is trusting and then Elijah's taken. As the Bible tells us here that there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. He was taken spiritually, as the Bible said, there appeared, appeared a chariot of fire and horses. There appeared. You you said, what do you mean he was taken spiritually? I'll tell you what happened. Listen, uh, the eternal invaded the earthly in this text here. The spiritual invaded the temporal, amen. They're just walking along, uh, uh, Brother Cooper, and they're just having a normal conversation. They don't know when this is going to take place. They don't know where it's going to take place, but they're just walking along, just kindly serving God together, just doing what they're supposed to be doing by faith, uh, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there appears a chariot of fire. Isn't that the way God works? Uh, I'm telling you, sometimes uh, you're just going along by faith, faith, uh, doing what you're supposed to be doing, serving God, uh, just living each day as you're supposed to, and out of nowhere, the spiritual invades the temporal, amen, the eternal comes into contact with the earthly, a child of God uh, every day, uh, it's not something super spiritual, but if you'll just keep on keeping on, if you'll just keep on walking with God, uh, God will show up, Uh, he'll do what he said he was going to do. He's taken spiritually. He's taken separately. The Bible said that it parted them both asunder. Elijah got close to the glory of God. He was present when he was taken. And Elijah was taken swiftly. He was taken. He was translated. He was transported. 
Glory to God, one of these days we will be. You know what we're doing tonight? We're trusting, aren't we? Hey, you know what we're doing? We're talking to each other. We're encouraging. You know what camp meeting's about? It's iron sharpening iron. We're singing them songs to him, but we're, we're singing to encourage each other. That choir talked to us. Uh, the song leader talked to us. Uh, the pastor talked to us. Uh, I mean, we're encouraging each other in these things. Uh, you just keep on walking. You just keep on trusting. You know why? Because it's not going to be too long. We're going to be taken, friend. Uh, I'm telling you out of nowhere. Uh, I'm telling you he's going to come. Uh, it's a picture of the rapture. He went up in a whirlwind. Uh, hey, I'm going to tell you tonight, uh, this could be the hour. This could be the day. Some golden daybreak. The sky's going to open up. And the saints of God, we're getting out of here. We're going home. And it could be right now. Just keep on keeping on. Amen. But when you get to verse 12, our thought tonight, it's very clear that Elijah is gone. And I think about the translation. I think about the great experience that Elijah had. But when you get to verse 12, here's the thought tonight. Elijah leaves some things behind. You know, I'm looking for Jesus to come tonight. But if he doesn't come in my lifetime, whether it, whether it be whatever takes me out of this world, I want to leave something behind. That's really the burden in my heart tonight. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on what are you leaving behind? Because Elijah is gone in verse 12. We know he shows up at the Mount of Transfiguration. We know he'll be back in the tribulation. But I want to tell you, my friend, in Elisha's life, he is gone now. But he leaves some things behind for the generation that was coming up behind him. I'm telling you tonight, God has laid that responsibility on every person in this room tonight. You may not be a preacher. You may not be a missionary. You may not be an evangelist. You may not be a pastor, and maybe you are. But every Christian in this room tonight, we have a responsibility to live our life in such a way and to serve our Savior in such a way that whenever we leave, whether it be today or whether it be tomorrow, we need to leave something behind for the next generation coming up behind us. Amen. That's what Elijah did. I'll give you three things and we'll be through tonight. I want you to see first of all in verse number 12 the first thing that Elijah leaves behind is that he left behind a man a man the Bible says and Elisha saw it Elijah leaves behind a man I'm going to tell you I don't think that chapter 2 this is just my opinion tonight but I don't think chapter 2 is near as much about Elijah's translation as it is Elisha's preparation then I think the text will prove that here in just a few moments. Elijah leaves behind Elisha. He leaves behind a great man. He was not just any man. You say, what do you mean, preacher? If you look at verse 12, he was a man who saw the glory. Amen. The Bible says, and Elisha saw it. Amen. Elisha was close enough to Elijah that when that chariot passed through, it separated the two of them. Elisha was close enough. He couldn't get in the chariot, but he got as close to it as anybody could. 
He didn't get to go to glory, but he got so close to it, he could feel the breeze of another world brushing over his soul. I don't know about you, but I don't think Elisha ever got over when that chariot came between them. And I want to tell you, friend, if you ever get a good dose of old-fashioned Holy Ghost glory, amen, if you ever get filled with it, if you ever get a taste of it, if you ever get wrapped up in it, or if it ever gets wrapped up in you, you'll be ruined the rest of your life. I'm going to tell you what he felt come by him. It separated him. He got as close to that eternal world as a man could get without making the crossing. I'm going to tell you he felt the glory. I don't know a whole lot, but I want to thank God. I've been around some men that knew about the glory of God. They knew how to get in the glory. I'm glad I've seen it sung down. I've seen it preached down. I've seen it shouted down. I've seen it prayed down. You don't have to get in it. But I tell you, just leave me alone. Let me get in it. Thank God. The glory of God is real. I'm telling you, it's real in this world. It's real in the next world. I don't tell you, God's glory, it'll get in your soul. Hallelujah. You know what's missing a lot of our churches? The glory of God. Brother, I'm telling you, uh, uh, listen, uh, I, like, I like for things to be decent in order, don't you? But I don't like for them to be dead with an odor. I don't want to get to heaven and have to go to kindergarten class and learn how to shout. Amen. I've been in some churches where if you raise your hand, they thought you wanted to ask a question. You know what I'm talking about? I tell you, I like to go to church. When somebody gets up like that brother right there and starts singing, and you know there's something turning on the inside. That wheel inside that wheel begins to move, and you know something about the glory of God. He was a man who had saw the glory. Elisha was a man who had served the greater. Notice what he said in verse 12. He said, my father... My father. He calls Elijah his father. That's a term of endearment. It's the same term that that Timothy and Paul had together. A son in the faith. And Elijah had spent his days serving Elijah. He was fine being second. He was fine walking in the shadow. He was fine serving the man of God. And the reason that he was the man that he was uh, was because he spent time uh, under that great man of God, Elijah. Elijah was God's man. And Elisha was God's man. But Elisha served the greater. He spent his days getting under and getting behind. I want to tell you tonight, uh, uh, God will bless those uh, uh, that will humble themselves. Uh, God will bless those. You want to be the man God wants? you to be. You've got to learn to serve before you can lead. Isn't that right? You've got to learn how to shine the shoes of those that have labored and went on before you. Those that have been faithful and if you'll be faithful to them then God will be faithful to you and the reason God blessed Elisha was because Elisha served the greater. It wasn't Elisha's ministry. It was Elijah's ministry. And Elisha worked faithfully behind the scene. He left behind a man who served the greater. He left behind a man that was separated to godliness. Notice the Bible says that when he saw him no more, look what he did. He took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. You say, why did he do that? Because he was standing on holy ground. Because he had been close to the glory. 
He had seen the glory of God. Do you know what the glory of God does? The glory of God shows us who God is, but it also shows us who we are. Now you don't have to worry about being built up in pride if you can get in the glory. Amen. And you'll never get in the glory if you got pride in your life. You never have to have a high evaluation of yourself if you can just get in that glory. If you can just let that glory get in you. And if you'll always look for somebody to serve, if you'll always look for somebody uh, to be a blessing and a help to, somebody to put in front of yourself, somebody to push out, uh, somebody to prefer uh, other than yourself. If you'll spend your life serving others, uh, I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll separate you to godliness. Uh, and God knows we need holiness in this hour. Isn't that right? Uh, brother, we still believe in godliness. Can I get a witness on that? The Bible said, for without holiness no man shall see the Lord. Amen. Romans 12 is still in the book in verse 1 and 2. Isn't that right? Psalms 1, 1 through 6 is still in the book. And God's people ought to be a holy people. Amen. We ought to be a godly people. When people live godly, they had power. Amen. When people live godly, listen, God is pleased. And the church ought to be clean. And the church ought to be holy. We ought to have convictions. We ought to have standards. We ought to have principles. Isn't that right? I tell you, go the average church nowadays uh, and if you preach on salvation or the second coming they'll shout you on but if you mention separation in a lot of churches uh, it gets real tight lipped amen but I still believe in it I still believe we ought to be a separated people he said come out from among them and be a separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I'll be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters uh, saith the Lord uh, almighty hallelujah 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, he said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And in an hour when a lot of people have thrown convictions and standards and principles out the window, listen, God is calling some people in this hour to be holy people, to be a righteous people. Hey, we are the salt of the earth. And if we want to keep our savor, we'll keep it by living clean and living holy and living pure and living right. Amen. Isn't that true? Don't you like to go to church and hear a preacher preach on sin and name something? Don't just preach on it, but catalog it, amen. Isn't that right? Tell us what it is, amen. Thank God it's camp meeting. You know, I grew up in camp meetings. You know what camp meeting was? Listen, 30 years ago, they preached on everything that moved, and if it didn't move, they bumped it. Amen? I'm telling you, that's just the way it is. But thank God for some old time. Holy Ghost, heaven sent, heartfelt, King James, Bible believing, straight laced, straight delivered across the pulpit. Preach it, amen. I tell you what preaching will do. It'll help your home. Preaching will save your children. Children, a preaching will fire your church up. A preaching will fire you up. A preaching, my friend, will save another generation. Preaching will bring revival. A preaching will bring rejoicing. Preaching will bring holiness. A preaching, my friend, will bring the glory of God. Hallelujah! Woo! Praise God. That's what preaching will do. Preaching will put steel in your soul. It'll put spirit in your heart. It'll give you a desire to serve God. Hallelujah. Old time preaching. I'm just talking about Elijah left behind a man who was separated. Oh, listen, can I stop and say this? Have some real conviction about you as a Christian. 
I could say a whole lot more there, but I'll leave that to Brother Tony tomorrow night. <laughs> and then he left behind a man who would stand in the gap. When Elijah was gone, thank God, there was an Elisha. God always has a man. Elijah left behind a man. Secondly, not only did he leave behind a man, but in verse 13, he left behind a mantle. The Bible says that he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. I want you to notice in verse number 13 that uh, this mantle was felt. The Bible said he took up also the mantle of Elijah. It was tangible. It was something that Elisha could get a hold of. And I know tonight that the spiritual things are the are the unseen things, many things whatsoever is of faith. Uh, uh, we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. But at the same time, I'm glad that you can see old time religion. Amen. You can see the glory of God if you know him. I'm glad that there's a generation that went on before us that they left behind some tangible things that we could get a hold of. You know, tonight I hold in my hand a copy of the word of God. I've got a hold of something that's got a hold of me. I've got a hold of something that's really got a good hold on me tonight. I'm going to tell you tonight I'm glad I live in a country still where I can put my hand around a Bible. I can hold a Bible up in freedom tonight. I tell you, if you've got a King James Bible, you ought to hold it up. You ought to wave it toward heaven for everyone that gave their life so you can have a copy of the Word of God something has been left behind you can get a hold of tonight hallelujah it's a mantle that was felt and then that mantle was fallen as the bible said it fell from him the mantle had fallen you say preacher why did that mantle fall I'm going to tell you why it's real deep You say, why did that mantle fall? I'm going to tell you why. Because Elijah didn't need it no more. You know why it fell? Because where he was going, he didn't need that mantle. Hallelujah. I want to tell you tonight, this old robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting price. And I'll shout while passing through the air, Farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Oh, I thank God for the privilege to pray. I thank God for a place to pray. But one of these days, prayer is going to end. Faith is going to end. You say, what's it going to end? It's going to end inside. Amen. Thank God we'll see him face to face. We'll talk to him face to face. I want to say tonight, I'm glad another generation has left something behind. Amen. They didn't need it anymore. It was falling. And then I think the mantle was forgotten. Because it's not really mentioned much anymore. Now understand me tonight. I understand the significance of the mantle. The man, I, I, you know, I, I agree with meetings and I get the I understand the thought process of passing the mantle. We all believe that tonight. Can we get an amen? 
But I want to say this tonight. The mantle was not a lucky charm. Elijah, Elisha could have stood on the bank of Jordan all day long and shook that mantle and said, I've got it, I've got it. But the mantle was a tool. And the mantle was a testimony. You say, what did the mantle mean? It meant three things. Number one, it meant that Elijah was gone. It was his mantle. Elisha had it. Elijah's gone. But it also meant that everything was good. Because just because Elijah's gone, God's not gone. God left him a mantle. The man is gone, but the mantle's still there. There's no power in the man. There's no power in the mantle, but there is power in the God of the man. And there is power in the God of the mantle. That mantle meant that Elijah was gone. It meant that everything was good, but it also meant this. It meant that expectations were granted, amen? Because if you go back to verse number nine, Elijah asked Elisha, what shall I do for thee before I be taken from thee? And it's interesting what he asked for because he does not even ask for the mantle. He did not even ask in verse 12 or verse nine for the mantle, but he said, I pray thee, let a double portion of what? Thy spirit be upon me. And if you go to verse number 15, when Elisha crosses the river Jordan and those sons of the prophets are at Jericho and they see him coming across that river, they do not say in verse number 15 that the mantle of Elijah doth rest on Elisha, but they said the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. I want to tell you tonight, what we need is more than a lucky charm. Amen. What we need is more than a souvenir from the past generation. What we need uh, is more than something. Uh, we can just run up and down. I'll tell you what, we don't need to be chasing mantles. Uh, we need to be crossing rivers, amen? Uh, we need to get out of the wilderness uh, and get over into Canaan uh, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm telling you tonight, uh, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, the manna was forgotten, uh, but the spirit of Elijah, it was on Elijah, hallelujah. He left behind a mantle. He left behind a man. And I want you to notice in verse 14, and we'll be done. He left behind a mark. Because Elisha goes down to the Jordan, the Bible said in verse 13 that he went back and he stood by the bank of Jordan. Now, this is an interesting verse to me, verse 14. Because if you could stop for just a moment and you could... You could ask someone, who in the Old Testament, if you could meet a prophet, who would you want to meet? Well, some would say, I would like to meet Elijah. Others would say, I would like to meet Elisha. But nobody, I would dare say, would say, I want to meet one of the sons of the prophets. Is that right? You know why that is? Because if you look at verse number seven, there was 50 of them. But the Bible said they stood to view afar off as they too stood by Jordan. And when you get to verse 15, they're really not standing in a very good place. They're viewing from Jericho. Now I'll tell you what every preacher in this room will have to do tonight if you hadn't already done it in your life. You're going to have to make your mind up. If you're going across that river, or if you're going to view it from afar off. 
And I'll tell you the difference tonight is men who knows what it is to be filled with the Holy Ghost and men who do not. Only you can answer that question. I want you to see what Elijah does. He leaves behind a man. He leaves behind a mantle. But he left behind a mark. You say, how do you know that? If you look at verse 14, that mark is seen in three little things. Number one, it's seen in the conduct of Elisha. Because the Bible says that he went back, verse 13, and he stood by the bank of Jordan. Look what he does in verse 14. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. Notice what he does. He smote the waters. Elisha, where'd you learn how to do that? Who taught you how to smoke them waters? You go back to verse number seven. Brother Stinnett Blue, before he passed away, but many of you may or may not have known Brother Blue, but he was a great Bible teacher, preacher. Brother Blue asked me this for about four years. I don't know why he asked me this, because he knew far more than I ever knew. And I wish he was here tonight to either say amen or straighten me out on what I'm about to say. But Brother Blue, would ask, he asked me probably three or four times. He said, you know, I have one problem with verse number seven. He said, and it's this, verse number eight. He said, Elijah went to heaven from the wilderness side. Why didn't he go from Canaan's side? He's a spirit-filled man of God. He goes down and he crosses that river. He goes over on the wilderness side of Brother Cooper. He goes to heaven from the wrong side. And Brother Blue would tell me that and he'd say, now why do you think he did that? I was like, I said, Brother Blue, if you don't know, He'd only been preaching 60-something years. I said, what are you even asking me for? I said, if you don't know, I don't know. And I didn't know. But I'll tell you, I was reading a couple, I don't know, it's probably been a year or so ago. And I was reading one morning, I come across that text, and I think the Holy Spirit told me. I think the greatest ministry in Elijah's life is what he does in this chapter. Is he makes his final mark on his man. Elijah goes down to the waters in verse 8 and he smote them. Not for his sake, but for Elisha's sake. And I think the proof is in the text. If you go back to verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass that when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, watch this, that Elijah went with Elisha. It does not say Elisha went with Elijah. But he goes with him. And we know that he's in the will of God because in verse 2, in verse 4, and in verse 6, he says it three times, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. For the Lord has sent me to Jordan. He goes back down. He goes from Gilgal to Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, from Jericho down to the Jordan. And when he gets down to that Jordan, Brother Hudson, he's, he takes that mantle, he smokes the water, and he, they cross over on the other side. They have a little conversation. They talk for a moment. The chariot comes. It splits the two of them, takes Elijah up in a whirlwind. I don't know that he didn't cross a river when he went over. Amen. He might have crossed it in the glory. Amen. From glory to glory. But he crossed it over. But now here's the picture. Elisha is standing on the other side of that Jordan by himself. Every individual has to have their own crossing. You see, Canaan land was real to Elisha, but it wasn't personal. Oh, he knew it was real. He had been in it long enough. He had been around it long enough. 
He saw the glory. He knew it was real. But it had to become personal. I'm going to tell you, Elisha, you say, what's it? how are you going to get across that river, Elisha? I'll tell you how I'm going to get across. I'm going to cross it the same way that the person who left before me showed me. I'm going to do the same thing that the one before me did. And I'm going to do it the same way they did it. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to look for another way. I'm not hunting a new route. I'm not going to spice it up. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to try to make it different. I'm just going to go down there and stand in the same place that we've always stood where we was last standing when the glory showed up. And I'm going to take the same thing that's always worked. I better get this instead of get this. Let me get something else. I'm going to get what's always worked, what's always helped them make the crossing, what's always made the parting. He said, I'm going to do it the same way they did it. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to rewrite it. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to present it a different way. We're not getting fog machines. We're not getting dance teams. We're not getting, listen, a spooky lights. We're just going to do the same thing. We're going to sing the same songs. We're going to preach the same sermon. We're going to worship the same way. We're going to do it like we've always done it. He said, I'm just going to go on like he did. That's right. That's right. Go ahead. Amen. That's right. Same way. The same way. Same man. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Brother Martinez, it worked for them. He got over that way. If it worked for him, them, it'll work for me. Elisha didn't have to make an announcement. He didn't have to tell. He didn't owe the sons of the prophets an explanation. Amen. He wasn't recovering from it. He wasn't trying to fix it. He wasn't trying to make any pie. You know what he did? He said, I don't know an explanation. The proof's in the pudding. I'm just going to do what's always worked. He went down and he did it the same way they did it. Seen in the conduct, it's seen in the comment. Because he says, where is the Lord God, notice this, of Elijah. Elijah made his mark. And what's so great about that question is that it's clear to see that Elijah marked Elisha. But the emphasis in the question is not on Elijah. (laughs) It's on the Lord God. He didn't go back down to the Jordan looking for Elijah. That's what them sons of the prophets were doing. They didn't have a lick of discernment. Amen. I mean, they were just like a bunch of, you know, uh, well, I better not say that, but you know what I'm talking about. 
They were just like a bunch of starchy, you know, dead, uh, uh, you know, Baptists that, that, you know, they, they didn't know. They said, let's go hunting for three days. And, and Elisha knew he wasn't coming back. Uh, and so uh, they didn't have no discernment. And I'll tell you what he did. Uh, he wasn't looking for Elijah. Oh, no. He was looking for Elijah's God. He was looking for Elijah's Lord. Uh, hey, can I tell you, Sunday's not coming back. Moody's not coming back. They're coming in the rapture. But they're not coming back to minister in this world. How uh, Spurgeon's not coming back. Uh, but their God is as real tonight as much as he was then. And the God of yesterday, he's a God of today. And he'll be the God of tomorrow. We can just trust him. Hallelujah. He made his mark. He's seen in his comment. And he's seen in his crossing. Notice what the Bible says. The word of God said that when he smote the waters, they parted hither and thither. And I love this last phrase, Elisha. <laughs> he went over to Canaan's land. He crossed. I have to believe that when he walked across them waters, or when he walked across that Jordan, he walked across it a different man. He had followed a good man, a godly man. God will take all them men from us over time. And he'll take us from others. But when Elisha walked over, there's victory in his soul. Because he knew that the same God that was with Elijah was with him. Elijah left behind a man. He left behind a mantle. He left behind a mark. Names like Livingston, Moody, Mueller, Sunday. Carmichael, Stud, Taylor. We don't even have to say their first names, do we? You know why that is? They made a mark. Lester Olaf made a mark, didn't he? Lee Robertson made a mark. Oliver B. Green made a mark. J. Harold Smith made a mark. Percy Ray made a mark. Jack Hiles made a mark. John R. Rice made a mark. Sammy Allen made a mark. Dolphus Price made a mark. Jack Hudson made a mark. Billy Kelly made a mark. Bob Simsat made a mark. Tom Malone made a mark. Mace Jackson made a mark. Berman Cape made a mark. Ed Ballou made a mark. Listen, Milford Biddle made a mark. Billy Goolsby made a mark. Don Green made a mark. Billy Canoy made a mark. You see, I don't like some of those men. Doesn't make no difference to me tonight. Because they made a mark. What are you leaving behind? What are you leaving behind? I'm going to tell you, if you could bring them all back from the dead tonight and put them in this camp meeting. And when the lights are turned out Wednesday night, you know what they'd want to know from us? You've enjoyed it. You've got help. What are you going to do with it? You're going to go home different? I think about a little a preacher friend of mine whose grandpa's, grandfather's in glory now, pastor in a little old country church, 
I don't know how many years he pastored that church, but many, many years. He pastored it so long he come down with dementia. Kept on trying to preach. Finally, they had to put him in the nursing home. They took him down there and they put him in the nursing home. He's in a wheelchair, been wheelchair bound for a little while. He rolled up in the cafeteria his first day. All them people was sitting around in the cafeteria. He said, y'all got a preacher in the house? They just looked at him like some of y'all looking at me right now. <laughs> he said, is there a preacher in the house? And nobody said nothing. He rolled to the center of the room. He said, I'm y'all's new pastor. <laughs> For about eight more years, you know what he did? He rolled up and down the, hospital, or the nursing home and he made visits. And he prayed. And he preached every day in that nursing home. He made a mark. Tonight as we stand, what are you leaving behind? Oh, God knows I, I got children. I got grandchildren. Church, community. I don't really care if they remember me. I sincerely mean that tonight. I don't care about my name being on a marquee or in any lights. And I'm not preaching to get another meeting somewhere else. God in heaven knows that tonight. But if he'll just let me leave a mark in somebody's life. What about you tonight, servant of God? I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're facing. Don't you give up. Oh, listen, you keep pressing on. You keep going on. You may think you're not doing anything, but I promise you tonight, he was a Sunday school teacher on a Saturday morning that made a mark in my life that I'll never forget. With just a candy cane, he made a mark. And led our family to the foot of the cross. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.